And if you if you picked it up on Facebook, you would have gotten the same thing from last week. So everyone knows what I'm putting on Facebook right now is the same thing from the Zoom meeting of the week before. So if you want to go back through it, you can through Facebook or you can get a file that you can play on your phone or computer. Uh, I can send those out by email. I've sent them to you before. And they're most computers and most phones today. All you have to do is click on the file and it'll do the rest because most of our phones and computers today, you don't even have to figure out how to do it. It's equipped to do that. But with that said, in John's gospel, Jesus said for us to abide in the vine. So the vine is him. In verse 4, he says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them up and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. So, to be his disciple, according to Jesus, and Jesus is right, we would have to abide in the vine and have to bear fruit. So God is after fruit. I said this morning, I, I dealt a lot this morning with the farmer and the field and in the natural, how a farmer may rejoice at the planting of a crop when he plants the seed but really the joy, rejoicing comes when the farmer gets or receives the fruit. So when I look at this vine as the vine of God, the purpose of the vine is that the substance of it would come out of the branches. That's the purpose of a vine in the earth, that the substance of the vine comes out of the branches. And if I look real close, and we're going to review a couple more scriptures from last week and move on, but if I look real close at it, Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. If you abide in me, notice that. 
and my words abide in you. Now, if I abide in him and his words abide in me, what I'm asking is probably not from the carnal and natural understanding if I'm abiding in him. Okay? I'm probably asking for those things that are in him. And we're going to see this, I believe, clear as we go on tonight. In John 6, Jesus says, verse 26, we're going to read two places in John 6, and then we're going to go to Matthew 6. But John 6, verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. If you're taking notes, mark that. You did eat and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perishes, but for that meat which endures unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him have God the Father sealed. So labor not for the meat that perishes, but for that meat that endures or produces perpetual, everlasting life, the life of Christ. That's what that is. Then John 6.53, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. So this bread is a different bread. This bread gives eternal life, perpetual life, life of Christ, another life than what we had in the soul, than our self-life. Now, in Matthew 6, Matthew 6, twenty-five, Jesus says, Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Now, up here, he's talking about, for we were reading John, he's talking about life. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life. Here in Matthew 6, he says, take no thought for your life. Now, the word life here 
is the word soul, suke. If you look it up in the Greek, he's saying, take no thought for yourself life. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. The word take no thought really means to not be anxious about those things. And he goes on and says, is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Now, I'm going to take a moment just briefly and deal with the soul. So he says, take no thought for your soul. Now, if I go to the Greek language, 5590 would be the Strong's number to this word, and it means to breathe blow, which is the root of the English word psyche, psychology, soul. A person's distinct identity, unique personhood, individual personality, and one person wrote, the soul is the direct aftermath of God breathing, blowing his gift of life into a person, making them an in-soul being. The vital breath, breath of life, the human soul. The soul is seed of affections, will, the self, a human person, an individual. So in Genesis 2, Seven, it says, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed, blew, puffed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the notes I put was, he became a living being with vitality, inspiration. He became a man. And had his own mind, ability to think, consider all the things man has. Now, when I start thinking about this, the word in the Old Testament is nephish, and I probably mispronounce it, but it means a living being a living being. So the soul is the being that you are, your self-being. That's the soul. You, self. And Jesus comes along and says, take no thought for you. Well, we've heard it's all about me. But Jesus says it may not be all about me. <laughs> Us, that is. It's all about him. <laughs> so, so here, take no thought for your life, your soul. So what do I take thought for if I'm not taking thought for my soul, for me? He says, seek ye foremost first above all things the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness. So when I look up the word first, it's dealing with foremost. First in place, first in order. So the seeking of my heart, if I take this in context, is the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he says, these things will be added to you. And he went through all these things, uh, the clothing, the raiment, the, the needs that we have. And he compared them to the lilies of the field. He compared them to the birds in the air. But he says, seek the kingdom of God, which would be the rule and reign of Christ in your heart and his righteousness. So foremost, if I look at this, set your affections, Paul writes, on things above where Christ sits at the right hand, at the authority, at the power, as the king, as the Lord. Set your affections there, not on, again, things on the earth. What's things on the earth? Self-life, my life. So set your affection not there, but set your affection on him. Now, as I digest what we're talking about, if I just take your mind back for a moment to the beginning, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Well, here Jesus is saying in his words to not set our hearts on ourself in Matthew 6. Take no thought for your life. Now, coming on down here, in Matthew 10, verse 38 says, and he, Matthew 10, verse 38 says, and he that take of not his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loses it for my sake shall find it. He that receiveth you receiveth me. And he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. He that receiveth the prophet in the name of the prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth the righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. I'll just stop right there. But these are the words of Jesus. Remember, he said, abide in my words. He that taketh not his cross and followeth me, followeth after me, is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life. Now, how would you find your life? <laughs> you ever thought of that? You may say, well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I know my life. What do you mean, Jesus, about finding my life? Well, Obtain that of yourself. 
shall lose it. Now, that's a hard saying. Remember, those are the words of Jesus, so I will keep bringing that back to your mind. So, self-life is not what God wants us to find. So, he's not after us finding our self-life or even our self-identity. He says, lose your life, and ye shall do what? Find life. Now, how can I lose my life? I could take that literal, but he's not speaking there, because even if I literally die, and I don't come to his death, I still may not have lost my life. <laughs> my life. Now, we can debate that whole situation another time. I'm not here to debate that tonight, but we can another time. We'll see how the Lord leads that. But we have our lives. So, so, here we lose our life. And if we lose our life, we find life. What we find is his life. That's what we find in the losing of our life is his life. In the gospel of Matthew chapter 16, Jesus, it says, verse 21, from that time forth, Jesus began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but what? Those that be of men. What, what did Peter say that would make Jesus say something so hard? <laughs> he was compelling Jesus that he didn't need to go to the cross and die. Now that's become a common thought amongst believers, unfortunately. But Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Thou savorest the things of men. In other words, you love the things of man and not the things of God. So how was Peter loving the things of man? He was trying to preserve the life, you could say, of Christ in the earth. Well, how did that, how was that so bad? Because it's the death of Christ that allows me to lose my life. 
That's it. Without his death, I can't lose my life. And without his resurrection, I can't find his life. I'd be lost then. You know, that's becoming uncommon term a lot of times amongst Christian folks being lost. But if I don't have his life, I'd be lost. Because it's his life that the Apostle Paul cried out that I may be found where at? In him. Not having my own righteousness, but the righteousness which is of Christ. So, so here in Matthew's gospel, get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul, his own life? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then shall he reward every man according to his works. So, what do I give in exchange for my soul? I give my life. I lose my life in him. I'm swallowed up in him. So this whole piece goes to setting our affections upon him, eating his flesh, and drinking his blood. Now notice, remember what I said to you in the beginning of this. I said to remark something, and I can get to it real fast, because I'm on the computer. It says, ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Then in John 15, he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, if I eat and I'm filled with his words or I bear what he's saying. Consider that. I eat and am filled with his words, and I bear what he's saying. That's being filled. If I begin to bear what he's saying, I've been filled with his words. You hear that? Because I'm filled with it. It's now the substance in me. Okay? So when I look at the Beatitudes, I begin to look at them in a whole another light or a greater light. Maybe not a whole another light, but a greater light begins to shine in understanding because I begin to see the divine nature that Peter talked about. Overcoming the corruption of the world through the divine nature and that's what Jesus was declaring in the Beatitudes, really, is his divine nature. 
overcoming evil with good, overcoming the things of a world of the world with the things of Christ. Because that's that's what we're talking about in John 15, that if we abide in the vine, we will bear what? Fruit. Glory to God. We not just have the knowledge, you know, per se of the Lord from an understanding, but we have the life of the Lord in us to bear what he said. And that's what we're, that's what we're hungry for is to be filled with what he said. Right? That's what everybody that I know is hungry for, that what Jesus has said, you be filled with it. And being filled with something is that something being produced out of you. So if I'm filled with his word, what's in his word is produced out of me. That makes sense? I'm filled with it. And now it's being produced. So I turn over to Matthew 5, and I look at what we call the Beatitudes. What one brother says, the attitudes we ought to be in. In Matthew 5, verse 1, says, And seeing the multitude, he went up into the mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, we as Christians might say, Why would we ever want to be poor in spirit? What does that mean? We want to be great and mighty in spirit, right? But Jesus says, blessed is the poor. What he's dealing with here is haughty. Being haughty in ourselves, being self-absorbed. So poor in spirit is not to be haughty. Being in need of him. So blessed is the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. For why are they blessed? They shall be filled. A word filled there means to fodder, that is to gorge, supply food in abundance. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, and for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, this isn't future. These are these realities that Jesus are talking about. See, he's wanting these to be in us right now. 
He's wanting us to be filled with righteousness. He's wanting us to be filled with mercy. He's wanting us to be filled with purity. He's wanting us to not be self-absorbed. He's wanting us to be peacemakers. He's wanting us to offer the peace of his cross to any man to come into the understanding of the peace of the cross. He's wanting us to bear fruit. So what Jesus was doing was speaking a word out here to us. You know, I know he said it a couple thousand years ago in the earth, but he spoke it out here to us that we could be filled with it, that it could be part of our being. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God, and be filled. So if I'm filled with it, then I have it in my being to give it. See, that's what Jesus is after, is a people that are filled with the substance he is. Not just a great knowledge, per se, of him. And I'm all for a great knowledge of him. I think we have to have a great knowledge of him. But the substance of the vine working to bring forth the fruit out of the branches. See, they hungered, and Jesus said they did what? They followed him or hungered because they were filled. And that's what we've been desiring is that he fills us with his word, that that's what's in us. <laughs> that this is what's in us, that we are peacemakers, that we are righteous, that we are meek, that we are, you know, poor in spirit. We're, we're not haughty. We're not full of pride. We're not boastful, but we're raised up of the Lord. See, see, these attributes are godliness. These attributes are the nature of Christ. This is who he was among men. He didn't make himself of a great reputation. You ever notice that? Jesus told them in places, do not tell people even what he'd done. He never made himself a, a great reputation. He was kind. He was generous. He was loving. He was giving. And all this was in order. Well, that's who he is. It's, it was in order because that's who he is. That, that 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 he is would be manifest in you and I. Like sometimes we talk about this manifestation of God and we think it's these super saints running around all over the world glowing in the dark. 
but what the manifestation of God is, is the nature and character of Jesus Christ living in you. It's the substance of the vine being seen. See, it's just like the farmer planting. I'm going to use corn. I know in the Bible it's a corn of wheat, but I'm going to use corn because we're more familiar with corn. And we look at the corn, right? And we look at that corn till we see what? The substance. And when we see the substance, then it's manifest. The corn has been manifest. It's been made known. It's then demonstrated. We take it out and we demonstrate. What do we do with that corn? We demonstrate it. We cook it. We make oil out of it. We, we do whatever with it. We make meal with it. It's now producing. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And that's what he's after is producing himself in a people. That it's now producing in you and I the substance that he is. That's why, that's why he says to abide in my words. To lose your life. Because unless you abide in me, you can't produce this. You can't produce this of yourself. But the glory of this is that he wants you to abide in him, that he would produce it through you, and the union you would have with him is to be one in this very self-same life that he is. That's the glory of salvation is God has made us one with himself, that the life that he is would be produced in us to be manifest to the earth every day in daily living. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And how does that occur? I've got to be filled. How do I get filled? I eat his flesh and drink his blood. Just, that's just how it works. If I don't eat his flesh and drink his blood, I probably will not get filled. <laughs> that's the process he put in place. He put it in place. It's shown in the natural. If I don't eat in the natural, I run out of energy. I get weak. I stumble. You ever notice that? You don't eat and drink in the natural. What happens? You'll get weak and you go long enough, you'll stumble. You'll become dizzy. You'll become faint. All these words we use, well, they are that's speaking of the truth that's in Christ. We eat to be filled. We are filled to manifest that that's in us. Now, one more scripture here, and I'll be done. Romans, 
I didn't read it while ago. But the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Let's start at verse 13. It says, and this, this goes right along with the peacemakers, the Beatitudes, Romans 14, 13. We look over some of these scriptures like they're not very deep, when in fact they may be the deepest at all because they're dealing with bearing the fruit, the nature, the character of God. See, here we go. Let us not there let us not therefore judge one another anymore. But judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there's nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. So Paul's saying, don't destroy your brother with your meat. Huh. Now we read that. We read over that. We like the part the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. But then Paul brings out how to walk in peace. He does. And, and it's all through the Gospels. I mean, it's all through the epistles. And we look right over them. And these things that's all through here is speaking of the nature and character of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. That's his nature and character. He... There's no greater peacemaker than Jesus himself who bore our shame, and he is our peace who have broken down the wall of hostility between us. So there's no greater peacemaker because he took our hostility and put it to death and brought us forth in his life. So there's a reason the Lord is telling us to be peacemakers because he made peace with us through his cross. I said, I'm done, but one more scripture, one more time, I'm, and then I will be done. In the book of Peter, And I'm trying to find the exact scripture, 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter 
Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, verse 1, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power have given unto us all things that pertain unto life. How much has he given to us that pertain to life? all things, and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So how do I escape the corruption that is in the world through lust? Through the divine promises of God, by the divine nature. So when I begin to look again, when Jesus says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask what you will. Maybe what I will then is that the divine nature would operate in me that I would overcome all evil with the goodness of the Lord. Maybe that's what I will. Because I see that of him. See, see, this is what this is after, or what the Lord's after is his nature. In you and I. His character. That's when it becomes good in the earth. When we have the character of God living in us to give to people that, you know, like we like to say in our lives. Well, our lives are become the salt of the earth. The seasoning of the earth. In our areas we touch. Because we've been seasoned with him. We've been filled with him. That's what he's after, folks. Is fruit. Herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciple. So a discipleship of the Lord is to bear his fruit. And to bear his fruit, I have to abide where at in him. To be in him, I have to do what? I have to eat his flesh and drink his blood. His word has to fill me. I'll stop right there. I'll start with Brother Dale Grimm, and I'll say glory to God. Well, glory to God. Amen. Thank you.